have as a church to minister to uh, our kids. If you see up here up front, as our kids are coming down for Children's Church, Miss Hope is right here. If you're a first-time guest and you haven't registered your kid, you can come up here and Hope will register your child for security purposes. But if you're kindergarten through third grade, now is our dismissal for Children's Church. If you notice, we have... The Monopoly up here, the money section, we've got the Candyland section over here, which is, uh, we're, we're, our, our theme this, this year for uh, Champs Camp is this twists and turns, which is like a game theme. And so uh, we're going to show the kids what it looks like uh, to go play games, right, their life, right? The pleasures of this world, fame and fortune. And then that one over there, obviously, is Mario, and that is the legalistic or trying to uh, do do it on your own, good works. And so we'll we'll show the kids that these paths will not lead them to eternal life. It is only through Christ and the path of Christ that will lead to eternal life. So we're going to do that in a fun way. But we get an opportunity to share with these kids in a way that they hear the gospel and respond to the gospel. And uh, what a joy and privilege it is to be a part of um, something like this. We've done this for a long time now. And it just keeps getting better and better and bigger. And, and, and we're dealing with stress and anxiety this morning. So that's a good, good lead in to that topic um, we're going to begin our series called Limitless this summer. I'm excited about this. Um, a few months ago, Jordan and I watched the documentary on uh, Disney Plus with Chris Hemsworth. It was called Limitless. And my heart was genuinely broken because I, as I watched the TV show, I watched Chris Hemsworth, better known as Thor, right, in, in the Marvel movies, go through these series of challenges in hopes of learning to live a long and healthy life. He was supposed to be limitless if he goes through these challenges and learns how to live a long and happy and healthy life. And there were six areas in which they challenged Thor, this, this guy who's huge and, 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 and fit and all these things, they challenged in stress and anxiety and shock and adversity, fasting, strength and endurance, memory and meditation, and aging and death. And the goal of these challenges was to figure out how coping or, 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 or doing these activities or these challenges in these six areas could help one live a longer and happier life. And, and I was broken, really, watching this because the Bible speaks so clearly to these six areas. The Bible speaks so clearly to these, these subjects which are so uh, in our world and we need to know about. And they're actually disciplines of the faith. We can, I came to recognize during studying for this series that these areas are actually disciplines of the faith. But instead of living a long and happy life, 
what these areas are doing are preparing us for eternity. It's interesting that the title was Limitless because we as Christians, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, are not living for this life. We are preparing ourselves for eternity. So as we began a few months back uh, to prepare for this series, we began doing a set of challenges on our own. I I began uh, uh, challenging myself to be more disciplined in areas. I'm going to be the first to admit that I needed more discipline in my life. And so we began filming some of these disciplines to show you. And so these videos, you can laugh at me as I challenged myself or disciplined myself. But I hope it inspires you to use some of these areas of disciplines in the faith in preparation for eternity. So for the stress and anxiety challenge this morning, we had a day of prayer in which I prayed for eight hours. The shock and adversity challenge, I I was trying to be like Chris Hemsworth, so I swam in a lake in February. It was frigid, and you'll laugh at that video. The fasting challenge was a four-day challenge without food, technology, or water. The strength and endurance challenge was 10 weeks preparing for a sprint triathlon, which me and Brad actually did on Saturday. So yesterday we just uh, finished that. The memory and meditation challenge is memorizing the book of Titus. I am not done with that, but hopefully I will be done by the time I preach that. The aging and death challenge was spending some time with our senior adults and hearing them talk about how they are preparing for eternity. So we'll have some videos that go along with these things. For the stress and anxiety challenge, if you've seen the documentary, um, we thought about doing something that had to do with heights like bungee jumping or skydiving But the more and more we talked, it was not self-talk or figuring out how to breathe to lower your heart rate, but a discipline of prayer in which we need as Christians to deal with stress and anxieties of this world. So the prayer challenge is where we landed, and here's the video of that. stress and anxiety in a uh, height situation and so like they go to the top of this tower and they're trying to walk across the tower and he's given all these tips and tricks of how to deal with his stress and anxiety how to breathe right how to focus mentally how to not you know go go too far in stress and anxiety and uh, so we were going to do that Cody I was going to chose actually to uh, to do a day of prayer. So I was going to, I spent eight hours in prayer for a day. That was the challenge that we took to deal with stress and anxiety. So we took my Bible signs, my pulse, and my blood pressure. 
check to see if my time of prayer was actually lowering my blood pressure and to see how God worked through that eight hour The uh, series Limitless on Disney Plus with Crimson Swords, my heart was broken because he was doing all these challenges to live a better life now and to extend his life now. But the reality is discipline ourselves, not so that we have a better life now, but for eternity. So that's what the series is about. Limitless is not limitless on this earth. Limitless is about eternal, eternal reward in heaven to be with the Lord. So stress and anxiety is something that people go through uh, all the time. Uh, I, I'm going to mention this in the sermon. Well, so that was video number one. It wasn't as exciting because we didn't video me spending, say, eight hours in a room. But <clears throat> it was interesting. My blood pressure uh, was, was lower, but my beats per minute or my pulse was way lower. And so my heart used a lot less beats that day when I was spending time with the Lord I split it into 10-minute segments. I would challenge each and every one of you to do this. It's a challenge that you can do. It's spending a whole day in prayer. And I, I split it into each hour, one large segment or one large topic. So praying for my family or, or praying through um, an area of life. I prayed for you in one of those hours. And then each 10-minute segment, I split it into subsections. So I prayed for one thing for 10 minutes, and then I'd switch to the next thing for 10 minutes underneath that subsection. And pretty soon, the hours were done. And I was like, wow, I just prayed for eight hours. Never done that before. Never attempted to do that before. But the Lord allowed me to do that. So I would challenge you to do that. But in that focus time, let's focus our, again our, our, ourselves in the Word this morning. We're in Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be reading. Uh, we'll go ahead and read 4 through 7 this morning. We'll start in verse 6, though, in the preaching. If you'll stand with me in the reading of God's Word, we're going to see what the Lord has to say about this topic that it affects everybody in this room. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. 
But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen? You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we get to dive into your word in this very real topic of anxiety Uh, Father, we know that uh, each and every one of us deal with these, and it is very real in our world. And uh, Lord, we pray that we would have a worldview that has the gospel in sight. And Father, help us to focus our eyes and fix our eyes on living for eternity, not just for the here and now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, anxiety is a real thing. Um, a variety of different causes. Uh, many struggle with anxiety. Uh, I've told you about my fear of heights before, if, if you've not been with us as a young boy. Climbing the Statue of Liberty, you know, climbing 20 stories up to the top of the Statue of Liberty in New York City. I didn't look out the window, right? That, that's me. Okay, Uh, I'm being real with you because I was fearful to look out. It's a real problem, right? It's a real problem. That's not all that I was anxious about or have been anxious about or are anxious about. Um, As a young child, I slept in my parents' room. For two or three years, and we're talking elementary age child, because I was fearful to sleep in my own room. I, as, as a child growing up, I wouldn't try any new foods. Uh, I, I was really bland in what I tasted for fear uh, of, of tasting something that I didn't want to eat or didn't like. As I grew older, anxiety would manifest in sports as I was an athlete. I would get so worked up, I often would throw up before basketball games. Uh, In college, uh, interestingly enough, it would manifest itself in public speaking. I'm standing here before you, you can laugh about it. I was so afraid of speaking in front of people, it was like the end of the world if I had a five-minute presentation in college. My lowest grade of all of college was speech class because I was so nervous my voice would shake as I gave a speech. It's it's interesting now looking back 40 years, almost 40 years old here now, how God has used every single anxiety in my life to grow deeper in love for the Lord. And in turn, having to trust him through each and every anxiety. You know, my mom probably knew that I had a problem as a young boy, but she never said anything. Instead, she gave me a scripture that I've clinged to all of my life. It's it's in 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and love. And a sound mind. I can remember the first time getting up to preach, having preached at a revival for one week 
in uh, Cody, Wyoming, my only time to preach in a pulpit, getting up to preach in view of a call at my first church, you could, you could sense the anxiety, right? And I told you about my public speaking and all that. I said that verse three times, walking from the chair to the pulpit. And that's what the Lord does. So when we walk through the text this morning, for those who are struggling with anxiety, I have waded through those waters for most of my life. And I can tell you that trusting in the truth of God's word is the very best thing you can do to guard your heart and your mind. So let's look at the word of God as we trust in the truth of what he says. Not what I say, but what God's word says to us this morning. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This is our first point this morning, the first phrase of this section. Do not be anxious about anything. This is the first point this morning. God's people do not stay in stress and anxiety. They do not stay in a state of stress and anxiety perpetually. The command is not to be anxious about anything. That's a pretty big word, isn't it? Anything. (laughs) That's a real big word for some of us in this room. Anything. But we serve a pretty big God, do we not? In the context of this passage, two women are having, as some parents would say, A disagreement, right? They're not fighting. They're having a disagreement. Euodia and Syntyche, Paul entreats to agree in the Lord. Verse 2, I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. They're having this disagreement. And what comes out of this is a list of things to do to bring about the peace of God. The peace of God within the church in Philippi. To bring about the peace of God with these two women's lives. To bring about the peace of God within God's people. And one of those things is to not be anxious. Anticipatory anxiety is most what. I commonly have trouble with. It's this fear or uneasiness about what may or may not happen in the future. The word stress is usually defined by the reaction to what has already happened. The word stress is the pressure or tension exerted causing stress, where anxiety usually consists of also the fear of what will happen as well. Either way, the Bible addresses these issues, not only with adversity through trial, which we'll deal with next week, which we deal with shock and adversity, but also this fear that comes with anxiety. Jesus actually speaks on this topic in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, where he addresses anxiety specifically. 
But right before he addresses anxiety, he talks about something that brings a lot of us anxiety. He talks about money, interestingly enough. In today's world, that is probably number one. If not number one, it's high on our list of stressors or anxiety in which we struggle with as people who walk on this earth. Matthew 6, 24, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's interesting. Anxiety comes next. In the next section, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body. What you will put on is is not life more than food and the body more than clothing. So he's dealing with food and drink and clothing. So what is he talking about here? He's really addressing two types of people are most commonly anxious about money, the saver and the spender. You know who you are, right? Most often, as we've seen in years of marital counseling, they marry each other. And they're trying to figure it out, right? Let's save our money. Let's spend it. We like nice things. I like to save it for a rainy day, right? But Jesus addresses the saver who places the money as security in their life. As long as I have enough in the bank, as long as I have enough in the storehouses and the barns, I will be safe. This is the person concerned about what they will eat and drink. This is what Matthew 6 26 says to this person, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Of which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? So he he addresses the people who places their hope in their security. The ones who Gather into barns, and how about the spender? The spender likes nice things. They have hope in their beauty, their clothing, if you will. They like their accessories, even if it comes at a price. I'm not going to tell you which one I am. You probably know that already. But this is what it says. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, who had a lot of things, a lot of nice things, a lot of nice clothes, in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you Oh, you of little faith. So what is Jesus teaching us here? He's teaching us our hope is not in the security of money, right? Savor or the beauty that money brings, the spender. But in the beauty of the Lord himself and the security 
of God himself. And this is how the follower of Christ leaves behind the anxiety that is caused by worldly things. And instead, he invests himself in eternal matters. Mm. And Jesus ends this section by saying, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So what is the opposite of anxiety? Do not be anxious about anything. It is peace. And that's what we will see later in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So God's way to peace is trusting that God, God himself will be our security and our beauty. And he will provide what we need. And so we trust in our God. In his word and in his truth. And we declare that truth. And how do we do that? Well, the next section tells us how we declare the truth that our God is sovereign in control of all things. We pray. Look at what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Have you ever thought about prayer as declaring God's word as true? Declaring your faith in God directly from your lips up to the Lord God Almighty. This is point number two this morning. God's people pray and ask God with a heart of thanks. God's people pray And ask God with a heart of thanks. There are three words describing what believers do instead of being anxious. And what do they do? Prayer, petition, request. These three things. Prayer, petition, request. This is substituted for running your mind in anxiety about what could or may or has happened. Prayer, petition, request. Let's talk about prayer. If you read the prayers of God's people throughout the whole of Scripture, what you'll see is people, God's people, are declaring God is who he says he is. They're declaring him as true, as the sovereign God, as the the one who helps in a time of need. The great and glorious God of heaven who laid the foundations of the earth, who caused it to rain on the righteous and the unrighteous, who brings kings and kingdoms up and causes them to become low. He is the God who numbers the hairs on your head. 
He is the God who knit you in your mother's womb. He is the God who works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He is the great God of salvation who has delivered us from sin and death and brought us life through the sacrifice upon the cross. It is the great God of heaven who would redeem and restore his people to himself through the suffering servant. So when we come to our God in prayer, it is to declare to him from our lips what he is already due. Our worship by declaring the truth of who God is. It's declaring it. So many times we think of prayer as, as maybe this genie in a bottle and we rub it and we grant three wishes. We need to think of it as declaring the truth of who God actually is, declaring the word of God from our lips to him. You see, prayer as worship will increase your prayer life. Declare the glory of God through your mouth and watch your anxiety levels drop. But we also have not only prayer, but petition, which is a part of prayer. I love the petitions that we see in Scripture, often always Uh, before the petition is the declaration of who God is. It's this worshipful thanksgiving or this worshipful declaration of God as true according to his word. You see it in Daniel, Nehemiah, these petitions are asking the Lord to work because of his character, because of his nature, on behalf of, of who he is. See, if you believe that God is good, then you will ask according to his goodness. If you believe that God is gracious, you will ask according to his graciousness. If you believe that God works together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose, then you will ask God according to his purpose. You see, the goodness or the nature of God actually helps us in our petition. Because if we know who God is, then we will petition God according to his character, nature, and being. So we have this petition. I think you should read these petitions throughout the scriptures, Daniel and Nehemiah. But I love King Jehoshaphat. While the Moabites and Ammonites, the scripture says a great multitude come against him, an army come against him, and he's sitting there, and he he declares the glory of God, what God has done for his people. And then he says in 2 Chronicles 20, 12, oh, our God, will you not execute judgment upon them? You see, God is a God who judges wickedness. So he is appealing to God's character by asking him to to judge the enemies of God. 
That is what God does. He's asking him, will you not judge them? For we are powerless against this great horde that is coming against us. And then his request, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are fixed on you. What a request, right? Not much of a request. God, we want you to strike these people dead. Or God, we, we really want you to take this army out. His request is, is simply, we don't know what to do. But we're going to trust in you. Our eyes are fixed upon you and what you will do. Because we know you're going to work. And this is kind of how God's people, this is how God's people respond to anxiety and stress. This is why we cannot stay in it. We trust in our God. Why? Because we call upon the name of the Lord. That's what we do as Christians. We call upon the name of the Lord. Genesis 4.26, after the wickedness of the earth has increased greatly through the line of Cain, after showing us all the wickedness in the line of Cain, it says at that time people began to call upon the name of the Lord. That's what we do. We call upon the name of our God. This is a petition. This is a request. This is to say, I am calling upon the Lord to act in this area of my life. Why? Because he is good. Why? Because he is gracious. Why? Because he knows me. And I am his child. Romans 10, 13 says this, dealing with salvation, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this is not something new for us as believers. We continuously call upon the name of the Lord in areas of life. Why? Because we're living in this life. We're preparing for all eternity You know, there's a lot of humility in asking God for help and requesting God to do, to work. In in asking God, you are saying, God, I I cannot. By the way, I think I'm going to write a book on this someday, but when you ask someone for help, you tend to become friends with that person because they get an opportunity to serve you and then you serve them back and immediately when you ask your neighbor for help in some way, they think of it as an opportunity to serve you and that begins a relationship in which you serve one another. That's the best way to make friends is ask for help. So I I have a lot of friends because I need a lot of help, okay? So... But just think of that with a relationship with the Lord God Almighty, right? The idea of asking the Lord God Almighty for help begins to deepen the relationship that you have with him. Why? Because he answers. He hears our requests. He knows what we need. You just read that according to scripture. He knows and when, when we give him the opportunity to answer our prayers, 
our growth and, and relationship develops. Why? Because then we want to serve him even in greater ways. So this petition or request, it's always to be done with thanksgiving. That's what it says here in the scripture. It says, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, or petition is another word for supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. He wants to hear you. But there's a caveat. With thanksgiving, this is a big deal for followers of Jesus. Why? Because petitioning or asking God without thanksgiving is almost like a demanding, presumptuous, spoiled brat, right? It's that spoiled brat type of ass. You know the the little kid, and I'm not, this isn't my kid, so I'm just letting you know that. But it's an example to you. It's an illustration. You can see it, right? You're at Disney World, and there's a little kid throwing a fit, Because he can't get the $50 stuffed animal. And you're, as a parent, going, I just cashed in a war chest to take you here. We just got done with the $200 character meal. And now you want this stuffed animal? No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. No. No. We ask with thanksgiving. We, you see, God's people are grateful. They're filled with thanksgiving. Why? Because they understand that they are undeserving of the lavish gifts God has given to them already. Thus, their thanksgiving brings about a petition or request out of humility and out of love for their God. Right? Uh, David described that type of love earlier. But the love in a petition with thanksgiving, with grateful heart, looks something like this. It's patient. It's kind. It does not envy or boast. It's, it's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. It is a loving request unto a loving Father. That's what prayer is about. And and the people who genuinely love their God, they can genuinely petition with thanksgiving. So verse 7 kind of wraps the whole thing together. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is their third point this morning. God's people rest in the peace of God. God's people rest in the peace of God. They rest in the peace of God. The idea of entering into God's rest is a theme throughout all of Scripture, starting in creation. The seventh day, God rested from creation. And we enter that rest 
God declared to his people to enter into his rest on the Sabbath. It is also carried forward into God giving his people rest as they enter into the promised land. And then during the time of the kings, the rest from the enemies of war. And God desires to enter into the rest of God. The peace of God. Colossians 1, 19 and 20 says this, For in him, speaking of Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, speaking of Christ, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You see, Christ brought peace because we were enemies of God. He reconciled us to God because we were sinners deserving the wrath of God, yet because of the death of the righteous one, the unrighteous were declared righteous. So that's why we're grateful and thankful, right? He's given us this peace, the gospel of reconciliation, in which Christ brought peace between God and man, now plays out in the area of anxiety where there is gospel hope. There is an eternal hope in your anxiety. Why? Because you have peace with God if you've submitted your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you haven't done that, you will be without peace. You make a decision, the Lord calls you to himself and you say, I believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is Lord of all. He's my Lord and Savior. And essentially, you say, I am calling on the name of the Lord to be saved. That's how it works. So we declare it with our mouth in prayer and we rest in it continuously. This, this world, it's cruel. It's heartbreaking. It's exhausting. Yet we have peace that surpasses all understanding because of this great gospel that we are heirs with Christ of eternal glory in the resurrection of Christ. Therefore, we do not live for today. We live for eternity and our hearts are set on an eternal purpose for our lives. So this peace of God that we're declaring to our heart, this gospel, we are declaring through our lips with thanksgiving and presenting our requests before our heavenly Father who loves us. This guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. What's the result of stress and anxiety if left unchecked? It can affect every aspect of your life. Your body will break down. You will not sleep. Your decision making will be foggy. You're, you will be reactionary. And often it will show through how you treat other people. And often people will go to any lengths to try to find peace. Whether it be substance to mask the feelings Alcohol, drugs, pornography, food, whatever it is, they will try and grasp it. And certainly there is a spiritual component 
to anxiety. I'm not saying we should not go to the doctor. We should go to the doctor. There are physical components to it. But there are some spiritual components in which we must protect our heart and our mind. Why? Because God's word says it is the wellspring of life. Our heart is the wellspring of life. And if it begins to grow cold, it will be devastating to not only our our own life, but the people that we love the most around us. I probably say as a pastor that 99% of our, of our flock struggles with anxiety. There may be 1% of you out there, I'd love to meet you, but for the rest of us, we need the Lord's peace daily, amen? And it's a struggle to find it. We need it the peace of God for the protection of our hearts and minds, and we need it today. Church, we need it today. You say, I don't, I don't struggle with this area of my life. Good. Protect your heart from it being a struggle in the future. It's okay to say, I'm not okay. It's It's perfectly fine to say that. God actually desires for us to say, I am not okay. And he wants us to come to him with requests and petitions and prayer. I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray. They're going to sing for us. And this altar is going to be open. With the money and all the stuff, it's open, okay? And what we're going to do is if you come and you, you begin to bow before the Lord and pray, one of our deacons or one of the deacons' wives is going to come up and they're going to lay their hands on you and they're just going to begin to pray. If you want to share what's causing you stress and anxiety or issues in your life, that's great. If you don't want to share, they're just going to pray for you. But we're going to... Come before the Lord now and respond to his word, trusting that our God hears our prayers. He knows what we need. And we as a church want to be able to pray for you. So let's do that together. I'm going to pray. Our worship team's going to come up. They're going to play a song. And we're going to give you the opportunity to come forward. People want to pray with you, by the way. And if no one comes up here and prays, I'll do it. Somebody else come and pray for me. Okay? Because I need your prayer every day. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to hear your word and how you guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And how we struggle through this world, Father. We, We thank you for the grace that we have. And Father, this morning, may we thank you that we have anxiety and stress. That we may rely fully upon you and the truth of God's word. Father, we thank you for this summer. We thank you for Champs Camp and all the things that you're doing. We pray for your protection. But most importantly, we pray that you would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Would you stand and would some of you come and bow before the Lord in prayer?